Pretty good. Hey, let's do what we always do. I'm glad to be here. How about you? Give me some love. Sweet. Hey, we're going to have a bunch of people watching in online this week, so keep those clappers going. we got a bunch of people. Let's, hey, we're fired up that you're with us, too. Way to go. Hey, if I haven't met you, my name's Tony, and I'm uh, one of the pastors on staff here, and I know some of you are like, who is that guy? He hasn't been around much. Well, that's, you're right. Uh, me and my wife and our little girls took the last four weeks and, and just kind of got our batteries recharged, and we got to travel around a little bit. I mean, and don't be like, where'd they go? Uh, the Quad Cities, you know, like that far, you know, Des Moines. We did one, like, night in Chicago. That's all we needed there and uh, got back home, you know. Uh, just a good time to get away, and I'm telling you what, um, I just want to say thanks. All the volunteers that are around here, um, you see a lot of people in purple shirts, you know, guest services. When you come in, you get a handshake or a high five or a hello. That's a big deal. And our staff pulled off an, an incredible four weeks. And if so, so if I can just say thanks, I would. Thank you so much for serving. Thanks so much, staff, for being in place. Um, really, what God is up to here is absolutely incredible. A two, an under two-year-old church probably shouldn't be able to have their, you know, one of their pastors go for an entire month, and, and we did it, and we did it in stride, and that's just, that's an awesome thing. It's a great kind of pulse on how we're doing as a church, and I just appreciate that a ton. Um, I'm actually really excited about where we're heading to the fall, and every time I think about the fall, I actually get weak in the knees, because that means summer's almost gone. Can you believe that August is like around, you know, a couple days, and I'm just like, oh no, it's, summer's ending, but we've really kind of saved an incredible series to kind of get us to the fall that I'm really excited about, but it's taken a lot of different shapes over the last few weeks, just so you know. Um, probably about six months ago is when we first kind of were working our handles on what we wanted to teach here in August for, you know, the, the last few weeks of summer. And at that time, the series title was Level Up. It was kind of this video game kind of theme, and we were going to play into that a little bit, and, and the idea was that we were going to unlock our spiritual potential. It was going to be this, come on, everybody, you know, school's about to come, you know, back into the rhythms of everyday life, let's level up, let's go to the next level together. And uh, then I was doing a kind of a prayer walk, might weird some of you out, but whatever, and I was just kind of praying and, and felt God kind of lean in. I didn't hear him say anything to me, but just kind of felt this nudge in the middle of July that maybe Level Up was a little too soft for some of you, and that we were supposed to change the title to Bring It. And I was like, oh, I like the sound of that. That sounds really fun. And it was going to be a whole series about, come on, baby, bring it. You know, the summer's almost over, fall's on, let's go, and kind of ramp us up. And it was just going to be, uh, and I, so I started writing stuff down. I started working on this series, and yet I still had this, like, unsettling in my spirit. I had this I'm not really clear on what we're supposed to do, and just like, not kidding, like a week and a half or two weeks ago, as I knew that July was kind of almost over, and I was back up, I was like, man, I don't know if that's right, bring it, yeah, I still like the punch of that one, but there's something else, and here's what happened. I kind of got a pulse of our church, and I started hearing things. And they weren't like great things. They weren't like negative bad things. It was more like my life has just experienced some hard turns. Um, I had a phone call with a lady who was experiencing something really difficult. Uh, it was in the hospital for a few days because of it. And it just was a, a hard spot in life. I've heard some stories about kids. 
uh, some grown-up adults who have kids that have just kind of taken some, some not-so-good turns, and, and they're not really sure what to do about it, and they don't know how to handle it. They don't know the conversation to be had, and, and I heard some more conversations. I had a phone call with a lady who, who just said, hey, the, the, the initial kind of diagnosis that I had has only taken a turn for the worse, and it looks like it's even more scary than I thought it was. And I just kept on receiving more in, and me and Carrie, my wife Carrie, we started to, to think about sending our daughter Micah to preschool, uh, or sorry, to kindergarten for the first time, all day school, and I know some of you are like, what's wrong with that? Well, for us, we're going, I don't know, we just got a little nervous, we're just not sure about it, and we're just kind of getting, getting wet feet towards it, and then this word kind of came to me that inspired me so much that I said, well, I got to write a series for, we got to plan for this, I think it's what we need to hear as a church in this current season of our lives. The series title is Brave brave. I just have a feeling that maybe you come in here and your brave has been tested lately. I wonder if you're like me. And again, our situation seems pretty small compared to a lot of yours. I mean, the mere fact that, that, that what's on our plate right now is we're going, we got to be brave. We're sending our daughter to school. I know some of you are like, give me a break, but it's real time for us. Others of you know what it's like to have financial hardships, and you're going, I'm trying to be brave, I'm trying to, to, to move things forward, and I just don't know how, and, and that's your brave. Others of you are in a spot right now, and you're going, me, it's me and my spouse, or it's, or it's a lost relationship, it's a mistake that happened, and now I'm moving forward, and I, I know I need to be brave, but where do I find the brave in life? Because here's what we all know, that life doesn't give a flying rip about your spot in life right now. It doesn't give a flying rip about your season. It just brings the hard stuff, and our response has got to be brave. So question to get us started this morning is this. Where do you find yours? Where do you find your brave? Friends, that answer to that question is huge, and you all know why. Because life has no respect for any of us it brings things that are unexpected, and where you find your brave really matters. Some of you in the room are going, no, come on, come on. I find my brave in myself, and I pull up my own bootstraps. It's real Iowa. I work hard, and I, and I, and I, and I work hard, and I play hard, and this is me, and I find my brave in myself, and I suck it up, and I, and I just go, easy, easy. Ask anyone in the room who's been like that, and who's had something come their way that has rocked them to that, to that spot. And they would say, hey, it's good and dandy to say you find your brave in yourself until something comes that takes away the very strength you've been holding on to. Other people will say, I find my brave in my money. It's my money. I, I worked hard for this, and, I, and again, I spent my time and my energy, and, and, and as long as I have my bank account, then I'm brave. And, and again, ask anybody who's lost it. And I tell you, it's not okay. To have all your ducks and on your money and all your ducks in on your strength because the truth is all that stuff can come and go just as quick as it does and we need to find our brave in something else, something more stable. And for me, I found it in Jesus. Jesus has been where I've placed my brave. And some of you in the room, you're going, I'm just checking church out and that just got a little weird. You just spun that on me. Where'd that come from? Well, I do that a lot. I try and bring Jesus into like every conversation I have. 
And the truth is for me, though, I've just found that when I lean everything I have into things that are temporary in this world, things that can fail me, they do. And when I lean my brave unto who Jesus is, he's the one who's sustaining, who I can lean on, who I can go with. And I have a question that I just am pleading for us to answer over these next five weeks is where do you find your brave? Because life, again, it begs that you answer that question. And I'm begging you that you'd place your brave in Jesus. That's what I want to work forward uh, this, for this series. Now, I remember a couple years ago actually having my brave tested. And again, a lot of you know what it's like to have your brave tested all the time. You, you kind of feel like that's maybe your current life situation, but a significant moment for me and my family was a few years ago, and it was even before we started this church. It, it had revolved around this place, but I remember kind of feeling like God was asking me to quit my job, and you try telling your wife, who has a daughter and one-to-be, that you're thinking about leaving your job. And she was most than likely like you said, uh-uh, no, you're not. What are you planning on doing? And I just felt like God was asking me to start something, to be a part of something new. And, and so we did. We, we sold our house here in Washington, and I moved my family to Ottumwa, which who moves to Ottumwa for anything? Who even goes to Ottumwa? But I, I moved to Ottumwa. There was a church there that said, hey, you know what? We're, we're kind of excited about planting a church, and we'll... You know, we'll bring you in. You can learn about what it's like to start a church that's different than maybe the normal, and there's nothing against the normal, but we start a church, and, uh, and I said, deal, we'll go. And then the next conversation that I had with the lead pastor of that church, he's like, oh, I'm going to need you to raise some money to come. I'm like, wait a second. I just quit my job. I don't have any money. And so now I'm in this spot of trying to raise some money to go to that, to work at that church again. Then Carrie's pregnant with our third. And I know some of you are like, well, you know how that happens. And I, I know how that happens. And I like it a lot. You know, it's, like, it's just in this spot. I'm like, man, there's this crazy whirlwind going on. And they bring me on to be on staff for a little over a year. And I'm enjoying it now. I raised the money. I'm good. We're stable for a little while. And then they say, hey, it's time for you to go and find a spot where you're going to plant your church. And I go, okay. And the best idea I had at the time was, well, maybe I'll go drive around the state of Iowa a few times. And just to remind you the current setting that we were in, Carrie was at home with a newborn kid, you know, a girl, and then a, maybe a one-year-old at the time and a two-and-a-half-year-old. I mean, that was our current reality. And so for me, I was like, that sounds really fun. Yes, I'll drive around the state of Iowa. Good luck, Carrie. And I just left. I literally found a camp in the middle of Iowa, Eldora, Iowa, that I would stay at overnight, wake up in the morning, go drive around another part of the state, go back and stay again, go back. It was literally the third time that I went on this trip to go and like, and I was meeting with different people in different cities in Marshalltown and, and, you know, all over the state of Iowa. And I got home after my third trip and I kind of came in pouty. Which, again, any woman is like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you know, but like, I came home a little pouty, like, oh, God's not telling me where to start the church. Carrie looked at me real sympathetic. I don't give a flying rip. I've been with these kids for like three days straight. Take them. And she left me alone. And I was like, okay, all right. So I'm on dad mode, and I'm still totally freaked out. God, where do you want to start this thing? I mean, I've, I've went all in for you, God, and this is where I'm at. 
And it was about five minutes after watching my kids where I thought I was going to kill somebody in the room because I hadn't been around very much. And I did a typical dad thing. I was like, find a DVD and just throw it in the TV and then we'll, the kids will be fine, you know? So I grabbed a DVD. It was a worship DVD that our girls loved and we put it in and the girls just had a blast. They were singing songs. I just still, still remember, like, it was just, they were in the basement. They're singing all the great actions and, and just awesome. And it was within the second song of this silly little kid's DVD, worship songs, that I started to feel like God was speaking to me. And I wasn't really sure what to do with that. I'm sitting there singing and having fun with the girl. I started actually to tear up a little bit. And I was like, that's weird. What's, come on, what's wrong with me? And we're singing some more, and I start praying. I said, God... I'm killing myself trying to find a place to start this thing. I'm all in. And I hear God kind of prompt me in my spirit. Say, I've already told you where I want you to start this church. And I go, well, I'm an idiot. I forgot. And God goes, it's Washington. And hear me on this. That was like the scariest location that God could have gave me in the United States of America. Because for me, that meant I would be coming back to a city that I already had relationships with the other churches in town, and it might hurt their feelings if I start, somebody, start something new. And, and what about some of the relationships that maybe I left that weren't you know, totally paired up, and, and I might have to face some hard conversations, and it might be weird, and it might be tense, and, and God just kept on leaning in. It wasn't like I had a phone call with him, but I just felt it in my spirit, him just going, don't you think I'm a big enough God for those churches and yours? I think I can handle it. Get brave. So I did. It was through those little worship songs that my bravery increased to a point where I said, hey, Sam, called up Sam. He's the campus pastor. I said, do you want to start a church in Washington? He's like, ugh, okay. And I called Ryan. I said, hey, are you crazy enough to do this? They said, we're in. And I can trace it all the way back to a basement moment with my girls singing worship songs. It's where I found my brave. See, I found for myself that worship is a way that God increases my brave. That when I'm connected to God, when I'm, when I'm dialed in between me and him, and I'm kind of all focused in reminding myself how great he is, and kind of positioning myself in the proper position, that my bravery increases. I get to a spot where I go, well, if God's on my side, I can take anything. It's almost like this. It's kind of the title of today's message. It's almost like worship is a weapon. And some of you are in the room, and you're going, I need that. I need a weapon. For some of you, it's the weapon that cuts down insecurities in your life. And you feel like, I should be taking ground. I should be moving forward. I need to face what's in front of me. I need to be strong for my family. I need to reconcile a relationship that was broken. I need to move something forward that I am scared of and I feel like the weight of the world's upon me. And I'd go, worship is the very weapon that cuts away the insecurities and the fears that we have. Because we remind ourselves, who's on our side? See, it's when we're struggling with insecurities or worries in our lives about being broke. That worship reminds us who our provider is. 
when we're struggling with insecurities about being sick, it's worship that reminds us who our healer is. Worship does that. When we're feeling depressed and alone, it's worship. It's the very thing, worship, that reminds us that there's a God who loves you despite who you are, despite all the junk in your life. It's worship that kind of tells you, I'm never giving up on you, that I'm your God and you're mine, and we're going to do this thing together. Worship is like a weapon, and so for the rest of these weeks, I want to tell you how we can increase our brave and how it can be found in Jesus. But today, I just want to share a story with you, quite possibly the best story in all of Scripture, where we see two guys go face-to-face with a dark hour in their life. And the very thing they lean into is God. And it's through worship. You can actually find the story in Acts chapter 16, and it's this amazing story of this guy named Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas have been thrown into prison, and your natural question should be, well, what did they do wrong? Did they steal something from somebody? And the answer is no, they didn't steal anything. Did they murder somebody? No, they didn't murder anybody. Well, what did they do? Well, here's what happened in their life. True story, you can find it in the, in the chapter if you read it on your own earlier. But here's the context. There was a girl that they noticed who was being mistreated, and she was a little slave girl to a master who was doing the wrong things. So these two guys notice, and they do something about it. They free her from her master, and the master gets PO'd. Sorry for the language, but he gets real mad, and he falsely accuses them of a crime they didn't commit, has them beaten up, thrown into prison. And that's just how life is sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes it feels like that. Wait a second, God, I'm doing the right thing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm moving in the right direction, but, but how did I land here in prison? God, I'm, I'm doing, I'm eating, I'm, I'm working, I'm, I'm showing up to church, I'm, doing the, I'm checking the right boxes, but God, why did this happen in my life? And, and you could ask that question to Paul and Silas, and they were in the same position we are. Life just doesn't care. Just demands that you answer, where's your brave? And we get front row seats to how these two navigate their current situation. Check this out in verse 25. It picks up on their story. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. See, I find it fascinating that it starts off by saying around midnight. And the reason that I find that fascinating is because midnight is a pretty dark hour of the day, isn't it? It's dark. They had to have not only felt like they were in a dark season, but it was literally dark around them. For some of you, you feel like you're in the middle of midnight right now. It's because at midnight is when you start to have insecurities come. At midnight, your dark hour, so to say, is when you start to feel the weight of the world around you. If you're up at midnight, more than likely it's because you're stressed out, panicked, you're nervous, anxious, and Paul and Silas knew all about being at midnight because they were living it. Right then, right there. The middle of midnight. What'd they do? Where'd they turn to? What gave them hope? If I can read it again, it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And some of you are like, they were singing hymns to God? What song did they sing? Well, I don't know if it was a hymn. I think they were probably singing the song, You Make Me Brave. Okay, I think that's what song they were singing. 
Not funny to you, but it was funny to me. All right. And the other prisoners were listening. They, they were listening in. There was something about this moment. And the question I have for you is, where do you turn in your midnight hour? Where do you turn? Quite honestly, we turn to what we worship. And what we worship really matters. For some of us, we turn to things like power. Some of us turn to addictions. Some of us turn to money. Others of us turn to, you know, someone in your life. Paul and Silas figured out that they needed to turn to God. See, in their dark hour, they chose to worship. Why? First thing that you can write down in your notes. It's because worship defeats darkness. Worship defeats darkness. Paul and Silas were in the darkest moment of their life. Try being beat up, falsely accused, thrown into prison, shackles around your feet for healing somebody, for making somebody better. They're in a dark moment. But what they did there was so huge for us to know right now. They chose, instead of to have a pity party, to go to God and get their strength and their bravery renewed because in their darkest moment, they knew they had turned to something. They just knew it had to be Jesus. And I wonder for you, where do you turn in your darkest hour? Where do you go? Friends, for some of you who maybe are newer to all this stuff, you're going, what is this worship stuff? Here's a definition that I work with for worship. Worship is simply what you adore and focus on the most. It's, it's what grabs your attention. It's what's got your, what has your heart. That's what worship is. And I, Paul and Silas, they just learned. that when, forgive me for this, when stuff hits the fan in their life, they're not going to do the typical, pull up my bootstraps, I'm not going to cry home, I'm not going to you know, wallow around in self-pity, I'm going to go before God. Because I know that worship defeats the dark hours of my life. It increases the brave inside of me. Worship is simply focusing on what you adore and focus on the most. It goes on to say this in verse 26, pretty significant. It says, suddenly though, and I don't think this is ironic. I think they were worshiping God, and God moved. He did something. It says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation. That would have been crazy, by the way. And the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Pretty massive moment. The chains fell off. These guys would have been like singing to God. They would have been, you know, getting excited about this. And they, they would see this miracle around them, this, this movement of God happening. They go, no way, seriously? You know, like that's what worship, and, and, and really what they would have said is worship is something so huge. Here's what worship does. Your second thing that you can write down, worship breaks chains. It breaks chains. So the question I have for you this morning is what has you in chains right now? For some of you, you're like, that, what are you talking about? I'm here. Nothing's in chains. For others of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The minute you read that scripture, that they were bound in chains, you already thought about your alcohol addiction. And you're going, that's my life. It's had me in chains for years. Others of you, 
You can remember back to high school or college when that sexual addiction kind of creeped into your life and you've never been able to, to break free from it. And you're going, you're still at a spot. You're going, that's still my chain that I have. Others of you, it's debt. And it is horrible. You've never felt more chained up to anything in your life but every time you get a monthly statement of your current reality or that bill in the mail, you just go, I feel like I'm in chains to my debt. I feel like I'm in chains to my anger, my anxiety in my life. And I just want to ask you, what has you in chains? And that might be a sobering moment for us all in the room, but I have great news. That worship breaks chains. It breaks them. And some of you in the room, you're like, well, how? How in the world does this happen? Well, there's this, this move in our lives that brings us to this spot. You see, when we're in chains to the things in our life, really what we're doing is we're surrendering ourselves to those very things. There's almost this position that we put ourselves under them. We're in chains to anger. What you're doing is submitting yourself to anger. You're going, well, I'm just going to be an angry person. You're in chains to your debt. Well, there was probably some decisions you made. That got you there. I know it's not all circumstances, but, but there's this, you put yourself under there. Here's what worship does. It breaks chains because what you are saying is, God, I'm going to choose to put you first and myself second. I'm going to choose to elevate you higher. Real quick, there's three kind of positions that really break chains in our lives. The first one is this one called surrender. It breaks chains. It's this idea that when we come before God, and you even see some people around here, you might call them the weirdos, you know, and they're might usually up front in this area, and they, they raise their hands in the middle of the song. I think it's cool, by the way. And they raise their hands. What they're doing is they're saying, you know, outwardly, God, I surrender to you. God, I know that I am tempted to, to fight my own battles on my own, but God, I'm, I'm throwing up my hands. It's the international sign of surrender. It's two hands extended, and it's why you see it in worship. It's because when we surrender to God, when we show him, God, I can't handle the addiction that I have. I can't handle the anger that I've been showing. I need to surrender to you. That's when you start to see chains fall off in our lives. Another position that, that we see is this position of victory. Victory, even earlier this morning, one of our LED lights wasn't working, and my brother Ryan is getting ready for the service, and he's back there, and he's like tinkering with the lights to get it to turn on. And it's a stressful moment, but finally it flickers on, and you see him just go, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it worked, finally. And he threw his fists up in the air. And it's this symbol of victory. And that's what worship does. It reminds us that with Christ we have a victory, that we can move things forward, that with Christ the old is gone and the new has come. We have victory, and there's yet another position. And it's this position of truth. And for some of you, when you lift your hands or when you're singing out and you're, you're kind of feeling the weight of your chains and what you want to do is you want to raise your hand because what you're singing is just so true. God, you're a mighty warrior for my life. God, I want to testify, almost like a court of law. I'm saying it's true. I'm admitting that I'm with you, God. Worship defeats darkness. It breaks chains. And if I can remind you of the setting here, we got Paul and Silas in prison. They're praying, they're singing. The walls come crumbling down. Their chains burst off. And then it says this in the next verse. We got, uh, I'll see if it comes up. Verse 30, 31. Da, 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 da. Anything? Yay, we're right. All right. 
So the chains have fallen down. Oh, I'm wrong. I'll go back a little bit. I don't want to miss this part. Sorry about that. Verse 27 28. Here's kind of the next part. It says this. The jailer woke up to see that the prison doors were wide open. So imagine this guy. All right? Earthquake. He's panicked. And here's what's going on. He assumes that the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. Kind of a dramatic spot in the text right here. But Paul shouted to him, stop. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. We're all right here. We're not going anywhere is what he's saying. Jailer wakes up. He's freaking out. His one job is to keep prisoners in. They all have the potential to leave. And he goes, oh, instead of like, you know, going and getting this report done, I'm just going to take my life right here. And as he's getting close to shoving the spear in, he hears Paul say, stop. Now, time out in the story. It's kind of a neat little, you know, oh, good job, Paul. You stopped him from killing yourselves. I just want to remind you, if I was Paul and that dude just beat the tar out of me and then chained me up and threw me in prison for healing somebody, I'm like, dig it in, man. I'm out of here. You know, like, left you there to die. You know, I mean, that's just not a good guy. He just hurt me. But again, what does worship do? If I can put this up on the screen for you, worship does something to our hearts. Worship softens hearts. That's what it does for us. So you got this jailer who's just beating him up, throwing him in prison. He's ready to just end his life. But the very people that he's punished yell out. It's because they've been getting brave on, getting connected to God, and it's their bravery that softens their hearts to see God show up and do something great. Real practically, you might experience that when you walk in here. Some of you might come in here and you might go, man, it's been a hard week. Maybe between you and your spouse and you just go, I just feel the tension. And, and song one happens and you're like, I'm not singing to that. And song two happens and you start to feel like, well, fine. And song three, you maybe reach over and you grab your spouse's hand and God is just doing something in you. Carrie and I celebrated our 10-year anniversary a week and a half ago and it was a great and great day, we went out to a, a great restaurant in Iowa City, and on our way back, we were listening to the different songs that we played on our wedding day, and it was just a great moment, and after we were done listening to those, I told Carrie about a song that I used to listen to that would just fire me up to be a better husband. So I put it on the, on the, on the, on the, the Bluetooth radio, and it's the song called Lead Me by Sanctus Real. Halfway through the song, like I'm choking back tears, and it's because my heart's been softened. It's because God's doing something in me that I'm, I'm going, God, I want to go with you more. I want to I be better the next 10 than I am the first 10. And God just strengthens me in that moment. Worship defeats darkness, breaks chains. And friends, it softens hearts. And some of you need a heart softened. So what happens to this jailer? The next verse is really huge for this man. It says, the jailer actually tells the guys, he goes, what do I got to do? Because what do I have to do to be saved? What he's asking is, I want what you have. I see something in you that I don't have in myself. I got to have it. What, what do I have to do to, to cross over the faith line is what he's asking them. And they simply reply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Quite honestly, spiritually speaking, when this jailer asked this question, his chains fell off. Does that make sense? 
Paul's chains physically fell off, the minute this jailer says, hey, my life, I've been doing it my way for way too long. I want to go with God, is the minute spiritually his chains fell off. Some of you, I wonder, if you're at a spot right now and you're going, I could never ask that question. Have you seen my past? And I go, I haven't, but God has. I could never get to a spot where I surrender myself to God. Do you know what I did last week? I mean, would he take a guy like me, a woman like me? I go, he would. There's a phrase that we say all the time around here. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done or what's been done to you. You're welcome right here. God loves you. He'll take you right where you're at. Why? Why, why, why? Last thing you can jot down. Because worship brings life. I love this. I won't put the scripture back up, but at the beginning in verse 25, it said that the prisoners were listening. People were listening in. There was something about Paul and Silas in the midst of their darkest hour that just drew people in. They're like, I want that. The jailer was included. Maybe you're here and you're going, I want that. I want that for my own life. I want to see God show up and do something in me. But how? How in the world do I do this? What's my next step to start to see worship kind of fill my life? Well, two suggestions for you. Number one would be this. Come ready. Come ready. It's amazing that Sunday actually shows up every seven days at the same time. And we do this every single week. And some of you, my encouragement to you is I, and I know, I know, I know, the mere fact that you're here is like a miracle. You know, like I think about my wife and I'm just blown away that she can get four kids ready in the morning without me and get here and she's ready. Others of you, you have the busyness of life on your plate and you just come ready. Whatever, whatever position you come in here from, you come in ready to hear from God, to meet with him and he'll meet you there. Worship is about you saying, hey, God, here I am. Come ready. And the second encouragement that I'd have for you is participate fully. Participate. Wouldn't kill you every once in a while to actually engage. You know, like come in and go, God, I'm ready to move forward. Because worship, it's a weapon that we have at our disposal to cut down fear, to help us face tomorrow. Some of you, you're in your dark hour, and it's what you need. Others of you, you know what it's like to have chains wrapping you up, and yet others, you're in a spot where your heart is so hard, struggling with unforgiveness, and you need a new life. Worship brings that. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to be able to sing about this hope that we have in Jesus to break the chains that we have in our lives. God, I ask right now in a special way that you would show up. God, I want to pray right now for those of us in the room who have chains in our lives that even in these next moments of worship that you would start to break our chains. God, I pray for our hearts, for those of us who have hard hearts, God, that you would just show up and that you would soften them. And God, I pray for a lot of us in the room who are in the middle of our dark hours. God, that you would bring hope, 
bring light, God, that you'd show up. God, I'm asking you in a special way, would you break some chains in us? We pray this in your name. Would you stand and get real excited about singing out this song?